the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. As we head uh, into Hour 3 on your way home here, it is a delight to bring back to the show George Kaloff. He is the managing partner at the Resolute Group and the president of Data Orbital, one of the finest political consulting minds I know. Delighted uh, he's based here in Phoenix, though he does work across the country. George, uh, welcome back to the show. Thanks for being with us. Always good to be on, especially the day after uh, the first Republican primary debate. Yeah, I wanted to talk a lot with you about that, and I know uh, people have been talking about it all day, but uh, you know, I've been trying to bring in some different voices. Uh, some of the listeners have weighed in, and um, let's just start with um, the easy and, and drill down a little bit. If you thought there was a winner and if you thought there was a loser, if you thought there were people in the win category and people in the lose category, how did you, how did you rate that? Who was, a winner, who was a winner? Who was a loser? Who were the winners? Who were the losers? So I've been thinking about this question um, since I watched the debate yesterday because I, I'm struggling to answer that, and, and here's why. Uh, I obviously wear multiple hats, but the two main prominent hats for this is I am myself a Republican primary voter and have been a proud member of the GOP for as long as I can remember, uh, since I could vote. And on the other hand, obviously, I'm a GOP and Republican strategist, right. right, as you always introduce me. And so I almost feel like I have different answers depending yeah. on what hat I'm wearing. And here's what I mean oh, by that's, that. that's fine. Yeah, that's a good way to look at right. it. I'll, I'll try and do the same. Okay, I'll do it with you. Let's yeah. go. So, so if I'm a strategist, you know, my strategist hat, I think the winner of the debate was the individual who wasn't there, which is President Donald Trump. Okay. Right. I mean, I think it was very clear that he won that debate. His, his lack of presence there did not, um, did not hurt him. I don't believe anyone relative to that from a strategist perspective stood out so much that it was blaring that he wasn't there. And if anything, individuals were fighting over him there, right? So what, what more could he have asked for? And he had tens of millions of views uh, on his Tucker recording on, uh, on X, mm-hmm. formerly Twitter, right? So from that perspective, that would be my analysis. As a Republican, frankly, the debate seemed to in best case to me was underwhelming and in worst case was somewhat depressing because I, I think the most glaring analysis that I heard was there was a lot of canned responses and the person who gave the least canned response, which was, let's say, Vivek and some of the exchanges with Vice President Pence, some of those exchanges, I mean, they weren't, you know, they really highlighted deep divisions within the party, which I'd love to unpack with you. And so I I didn't feel like anyone very much stood out. If there was a winner at all, as a Republican voter, it likely was Vivek Ramaswamy, um, on the other hand, something that we talked about, I don't think that Governor DeSantis candidly, not that he did bad, but I don't think he really stood out. He did, he wasn't really hit a bunch. He didn't speak a ton. Um, he didn't engage in a lot of the back and forth. And when he did, it it didn't seem like it super stood out. So that, Let me, that, yeah, that, that's a fairly good analysis uh, and way to frame it all. Um, George, if only in the sense that I thought of it exactly the same way. By fairly good, I mean, I, I suppose, I, I mean, I, I think I agree with everything you said. I, um, I think I, the, the inter- I was listening to a lot of talk radio today. Um, I suppose there's I think there's an old line 
in Donald Trump's first book? I think there is. It was attributed to him. If it wasn't a line in his book, it was a line in his speech that it doesn't matter what they say about you as long as they're using your name and talking about you. And I, mm-hmm. when I was thinking about that, listening to talk radio today, depending on who the host was, Vivek Ramaswamy was either the clear runaway winner or the absolute loser. There was the, he, he was the conversation today. And yeah. and yeah. given that realm, I think we have to think, or I, at least I think, he's, he, he, may, he may pick up a couple points here, given the realm that he's the most talked about. Now, I mean, this is not going to the merits of what he said. This was not going to the merits of how he comported himself. Just that sure. he is the talked about person. And then the yeah. other thing is the thing you landed on at the end. With Ron DeSantis, I think you won't let me put words in your mouth and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you and I were saying, and I certainly was saying going into this debate, given his stall and even a little bit slouch in the polls, there was a lot resting on his shoulders tonight. He had to do something, it seemed like, and um, he did nothing. Uh, I, I don't mean to be harsh about it, but I woke up this morning trying to remember a single thing he said that was memorable, and I couldn't, except... For the one thing which was, I thought, surprising because it's so against his type, which was on the abortion question, which I thought he waffled on. And, you know, one can have different views on that as well. But this is a guy who's known for not waffling, and I thought he dodged it. I wonder what your, what, what, what your, what your antenna picked up on those thoughts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, his performance, let's say if the expectation, you know, was, a, was an A, B plus, whatever, when you meet expectations, but when the whole electorate and all the chattering class needed you to blow expectations out of the water that's something you and i talked about at best case he met expectations yeah he He was fine but he needed to do better than fine right would would you agree with that he was fine 100 not better than memorable lines the memorable lines were exchanges between for me one of the most memorable because i actually think and and i think you'd appreciate this more than most the exchange about the image of america and and the future of america between vivek and pence yeah and Pence saying that America needs a government that that matches its leader, yeah. uh, matches its people, and Vivek saying that you're from another generation. It's the whole Ronald Reagan versus yeah. a lot of individuals right. that don't remember Reagan, right? In terms of that image, and, of America. and a lot of people are saying we need to that. move beyond Reagan. I, there's a lot of that talk too, which offends yeah. me, but yeah. there is that out there, right? But but that so those are the memorable things. But I agree with you, and yeah, on on abortion, you know, he was not unequivocal in the way others no. were in terms of a national ban. And if anything, at a minimum, even though I disagree with her. Uh, on this and other things that she said, Nikki Haley at least stood up and said, look, you you know, and her line was, uh, I think, to, to VP Pence, because, again, she had a very heat exchange with him. He ended up, apparently, you know, he, he he got into more heat exchanges with, with anyone else, I think, Pence did. Yeah, maybe. Uh, that yeah. to be honest with people about uh, what we can or cannot do at the federal level on, on abortion. And, um, I mean, that was her line. But, yeah, I mean, DeSantis was not, Governor DeSantis was not unequivocal, reiterated, of course, that he supported and signed the six-week heartbeat law in Florida, but did not comment on from a national perspective. Yeah, it was, which was very clearly and importantly the question. And again, the guy who is known for being unequivocal, and he wasn't. And let's talk about Nikki Haley for a minute. Again, this is a name, there's a few names on there that really trigger, and Nikki Haley's a name that triggers. But I think I'm going to, again, disagree or agree with her. I think she stood... Um, stood herself good last night. I think she could see a little bit of bump. I think there's a little more life in her campaign today as a result of her performance last night. It was better I, than I think people expected to see from her. Yes, yeah, right. Because I think I think you're right. You've you've you know. No one was thinking of much of her, and you couldn't help but think a lot of her last night, sure, one way again sure, yeah, or the other. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. There's two viewpoints, right? So you could be a really good debater mm-hmm. and perform very well at the debate, and then you could say things uh, that people do or don't like. Yep. Either way, though, someone is going to like what she says, and yep. some people are not going to like what she says. She unequivocally, her and Pence, were very much so leading the charge from a foreign policy perspective, for example, that America needs to intervene uh, in Ukraine and that Vivek, who was the leader of the we don't do it. And this is where DeSantis did chime in, but it was he was essentially played second fiddle to yeah. Vivek on this question yeah. Yeah. that we shouldn't be intervening and we need to take care of our own people. Um, you know, Vivek did it better Vivek, from that right, perspective. Yeah. It, you know, if you share it or not, Vivek did that perspective better. Yeah, yeah. So no, absolutely. I think I think Nikki Haley, you know, did did stand out, and I think what she's likely going to start seeing is is you know who knows. I mean, even I know it's a half a percent or a percent. Sure. I think she starts consolidating maybe some of the Asa Hutchinson voters, maybe some of the Chris Christie people, right? Because they all kind of are running in the similar lane. Asa Hutchinson, Chris Christie, Nikki Haley, frankly, even Pence. They all were sort of kind to each other to agree, except again, except the one Pence Haley. Uh, exchange Governor Burgum, who was not really a main player in this debate, but nonetheless, all those people probably together represent, I don't know, fifteen-ish percent of the vote at this point. Yeah, that's about right. You know, what poll? Yeah, um, you're going to start seeing consolidation amongst them, and and then you wonder who's going to get it. Tim Scott was somewhat. I put in him in the loser them. category last night. Yeah, he didn't stand out. I mean, no. if, if that's one of the main criteria, and it is true in these debates, he was very kind, which is very much a... Yeah, that's his calling card, but yeah, maybe not for a debate. It's not that to yeah. be kind, but yeah. you, get into <laughs> right. point. you can yeah. stand out without being, you know, without being mean, right? I mean, you absolutely can. It's yeah, no, there's room for charm, but there's, enough. you you want to, if you're going to have charm, at least don't be boring. I thought he was. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, look, there's, there's very clearly going to be, um, again probably not immediately after the debate. I think there's going to be a consolidation in the field likely before Iowa. I think these debates are going to really start to narrow the field. I think as the as the way to uh, qualify for them gets harder, which is natural from the RNC perspective and the RNC rules, I think it's going to get tighter. Oh, does it get steadily harder between now and the next debate? I is it? Yeah. So. Okay. I believe so. Okay. Yeah, I so believe you'll probably see lot, Asa fall off at least, probably. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, incremental changes, yeah. Let me ask you, I'm heading to a break, George. You can stay a bit, right? You're good for a little while? Absolutely. George, let me, at, let me take the break, but I'll plant the question. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about Nikki Haley and perhaps the others as well, I guess, to be fair, on this question of the Republican Party and the woman vote. Because while I agree with you 100% that some of that other down-ballot or down-tier candidacies, some of those down-tier candidacies will probably inure upward towards her. I wonder if uh, if, if she might be picking up some more female uh, interest as well. Let me pick that up with you on the other side of this break. I'm Southeast George. We'll be right back. George Kaloff is my guest. He from the Resolute Group, where he is the managing partner, president of Data Orbital. Um I hate being lectured this way, George, but I am lectured this way year in and year out. People tell me my party, your party, has a woman problem. That is to say, a problem with the female electorate. And A, how deep and strong is it? B, does um, does does Nikki Haley open up some eyes and ears to that voting population if there is a problem? And did she do things last night that helped her do so? I um, I throw all that to you. Sure. Well, let me start uh, first off with a uh, with a with a quip back to to our friends and individuals on the other side of the aisle who claim that Republicans have a 
problem with women voters and say that I believe Democrats have a problem with women voters, in particular with with uh, with moms, when they tell them that the government should be raising their children and they shouldn't be raising their children or the government should uh, allow uh, biological men into female uh, locker rooms and so on and so forth. So I think that tide is shifting largely for that reason and perfect segue into, I believe, Nikki Haley's performance yesterday on the section that was about culture because she was able to, as the only woman on that stage, talk about those issues and take that mantle and be unequivocal. And she was unequivocal uh, on She was good on right? it. You unequivocal bet. on these issues, yeah. right? It's unequivocal in the role of, of women and in how we need to hold women up and how if we if we go down this road and allowing biological men to be women, what does that mean? Where does that yield us as a nation? Again, you can only talk about so much in a minute. Um, but I do think there is a shifting. Uh, there is a bit of a shift here, which is why you see the issue of education and these cultural issues roaring through, if I use that phrase, roaring through the suburbs and with suburban voters, even though some of those voters are going against some Republicans and some of the Republican Party ideals, they are very much so not just going wholesale to the Democrats because of this entire category of issues, not just one issue. It's an entire category of issues that seemingly the progressive left is picking this hill as the hill to die on. Yeah, they are. And uh, you got a weird kind of sense on this. Did you follow some of the commentary that Jen Psaki was doing in her own right on MSNBC, saying she literally knows of no Democrats who support abortion up to the moment of birth and then got every piece of possible pushback and evidence throughout the Twitterverse that you could because you and I just both know that's a lie, whether it's here in Arizona or in a lot of national races as well. Yeah, it's, just a, it's just a lie. Yeah, yeah so you could fill a book with You uh, could fill a book with, with, with the evidence against that statement. So not to prick at that statement so much as to say, why would they think they need to lie about it all of a sudden? That's the thing that's interesting to me. Why would she say that rather than speak sure. about, uh, you know, there's so many ways you could go to make Republicans defensive about this yeah. issue. Why was she being defensive about it? That, that to me, might be a little bit of a tell. I'm not sure. I, I do think it is, and I think it is in this way. I do believe there still is a bit of a war and clash on the progressive left between those individuals who I will label broadly want to shout their abortions, and yeah, they don't really yeah. care when an abortion happened and how it happened. Right. They are just pro-abortion, yeah. and I, I do believe there are individuals that are. I'm not yeah. saying it's wholesale. I'm not saying it's 50% you know, of, of America. I'm not but it's new and it's there. It's, it's, a, it's, yeah. it's, it's a big departure from rare, safe, and legal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. 100%. And arguably, it is actually the biggest plurality in worst case, if not, it is the majority of the Democratic position to say, like, no, I'm, I'm just in favor of abortion. And right. there's a whole bunch of other individuals um, that are Democrats and also the majority of people in, in the middle that are that that hesitate to, again, to use this phrase, uh, to limit a woman's choice, but really get uncomfortable when we start talking about things like that. And they um, they espouse and say things like Jen Psaki did, which is to say that, that not only do, do certain politicians and politicians not want that, that women don't want to right. seek that out. And while we know in the states that gather data, um, it's not like half of abortions are happening late term, but there are more than what I think people would care to admit. At, le- at least double well the amount, at least double the amount that take place in cases of rape and incest, at least double. The I, issue that they always hang on our neck, there is at least yeah. double that amount. Yeah. yeah, yeah, substantially even more than double, but even if we're being generous, yeah, it is be more than double. Fair so enough. Yeah. I think she 
I think she is highlighting that divide, but unfortunately she's not the majority for them. She's not the majority voice in that party. And so it is, of course, um, the truth is to say that the majority of Americans don't want that. And arguably when people said that in response to even the talk about a national ban at 15 weeks, and I read this morning in the political playbook that it's not a viable option. Actually, in most polls that you see, even from leftist publications, majority of Americans, definitely a majority of Arizonans, the majority of most states that are not well left to center, I'm talking California and New York, that 15 weeks is absolutely where a majority of people yeah, are. Yeah, it's because second trimester. Weeks, by the it's, way, yeah, 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 yeah. 15 weeks is when children start to feel pain. And right. shortly after 15 weeks now with our marvelous advances in science, children are viable starting at essentially 20 weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not talking super rare instances. I'm talking like like there are children that, yes, sure, spend time in the NICU, but they, they, they are children. They, they, they stay alive. They mm-hmm. can function mm-hmm. outside mm-hmm. Uh, 20 to 22 weeks. And so what they are selling isn't what people want to buy, but it's easier for them to talk about, obviously, our extreme. And that's why we then talk about their extreme, and then we all go on our merry ways. Yeah. But, um, you know, this topic is very complicated. You and I have talked about it quite a bit. Um, and I think it was not handled nearly as well as it could have been at the debate last night. It's agreed. Let me state agreed. It, it could have been handled better. Um, but hand it to Nikki Haley for not hemming and hawing either. Uh, again, you know, there's something to be said for that. I thought her statement about her husband's deployment and that she's a military wife, I thought that landed well. And I'm just thinking, you know, there's – there's something that might appeal to independent Republican, excuse me, independent and Republican women that they haven't been offered in a while in her. She had the right mix of, you know, I, I get a little queasy when people have to point out what they are. You know, she doesn't need to tell us she's a woman, but she did it just about right. I mean, you can't take that away from her talking point, and, and, and it, was a, it was a well-used talking point from Mar- Margaret Thatcher. But I, I don't think she overdid it too terribly much. Um, and and I don't know. It, something something tells me I was scoffing at the notion that she could be a possible running mate for someone up until the debate. I thought last night put her back in the game. That's all I'm trying to say, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I mean, she's made a lot of, I think, unnecessary gaps throughout the course of the uh, election cycle thus far. But, we, yeah, we we should not take for granted. I mean, she was the former governor of a, of a non – I mean, it's not like a state of, like, a couple thousand people. I mean, South Carolina is a substantial state. She was the ambassador to the United Nations. I mean, she has been she has been more than involved in politics and the political scene. And she hired Tim Scott. Right. She gave him his but, Senate seat, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Right, yeah, right. But uh, yeah, yeah. I think you're I think you're right. But then again, you know, she has made. I mean, look these 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 debates too. What's interesting? They're sort of like um, sort of they're they're flashpoints. Right? Yes, like you capture course. lightning in the bottle. But of this course. is the big question to carry on that metaphor is. Can that lightning continue to be captured? Right. Can people take right. from here right. and keep the momentum. Is this like a two point, five point bump for Vivek and he comes back down? Yeah. Or does he actually yeah. send to second place? Because it was very clear after last night. I don't believe he's actually intending. You know, I don't think he thinks he can win this or not. Because if you're a, if you're wanting to go into first place, you have to go through the person who's in first place. Yeah. And obviously, not only did he not say an, not an unkind thing, for example, of Donald Trump, he only said kind things, which leads me to believe. He's almost serving as serving as some sort of like insulator. Yeah, or sometimes to... we talk about stalking horses as well. Let me take a quick break and come right back with you, George. More to talk about here. I uh, I'm Seth Leibson. He's George Kaloff of the Resolute Group, and we'll both be right back. George Kaloff is my guest, uh, political uh, consultant and analyst. I have so many more questions for you about last night, George. Is it okay? I'm just doing some rapid fire here. Um, 
Let's keep it going. All right, good. Thank you. You made a good point on the way to the break, too, which is, you know, who will get a point or five, who will get a point or two, perhaps two and a half points. How long will this be remembered? Uh, The truth is, I don't think it'll be remembered past Monday. Um, You had made the point that this is a flash in a moment. I don't think it'll be remembered past Monday. And I think that will be on to the Donald Trump arrest or arraignment and then we'll be on to whatever next the issues are going into the next debate a month from now. Um, that, that, that's my own sense. And, and I guess I would ask you then to spend a little time with me thinking about that arraignment in Georgia and the man who wasn't there, the dog that didn't bark, Donald Trump. Last night, uh, that's an Arthur Conan Doyle reference, not an insult, folks. <laughs> okay, that's a, not a, not meant as an insult. What um, political malfeasance? If he went, I think we agree politically it was the smart thing not to be there. Uh, and as others may rise, I don't know, George. His numbers go up the more he's in, the more in the parlance of our time he becomes a. Justice-involved individual, shall we say. I don't know that his numbers are going to go down. The numbers that came out of X, formerly known as Twitter, um, they're inflated. I mean, it wasn't 175 million. People have to understand how those numbers get made. But it was a lot. Whatever it was, it was a lot of people tuned in to watch him. Oh, yeah. It was a lot of people because he he more than still has a a hold. He He is the leader of the Republican Party. I mean, there's just no doubt. There's just no doubt about it. I mean, there, there's not even there was there was some discussion earlier in the year about about if that was or wasn't true. Now, fine, you can discuss if that is or isn't good. Okay, right. I mean, clearly, people like Lisa Hutchinson and Chris Christie, and to a degree, Mike Pence, some others on the stage last night probably would say if they were asked for it. Which, by the way, for the record, I don't love the moderators are like show of hands because I do agree. I do agree with Governor DeSantis on this very strongly. You can't ask about climate change and do a show of hands. I mean, we all know what that's going to yield, but you need to be able to talk substantively about issues. But setting that aside, if there was a show of hands, I would say maybe a a portion of the individuals would say, oh, it's not good or it is good. But I don't think we can debate on if he is the leader, because he is the leader of the Republican Party moving forward. And I don't believe that anyone's performance yesterday, because look, if if Vivek's going to take from anyone, who's he going to take from? He's going to take from Governor DeSantis, the bottom line. He's going to take from the MAGA and MAGA adjacent, to use that phrase, right, which is sort of the common commonly used phrases for sort of the, the divisions within the party, and he's going to take those from Governor DeSantis. And if Nikki Haley, for example, is going to take votes, she's not going to take from Trump voters. She's going to take the little that Asa Hutchinson has and the little that whoever else has, maybe the little that Mike Pence, maybe mm-hmm. a tiny bit from Tim Scott, mm-hmm. as an example, mm-hmm. or they'll take from each other. Mm-hmm. So there's no chance that she's going to take them from from, from Trump. So who, who would take voters from? You know, who would take votes from? I'm telling you, it's hard to walk away from the last night's debate and honestly tell yourself, that not only is there someone who could, you know, who could beat him in the primary, but there's even someone who has a, you know, frankly, a coherent vision that's different than his vision. So much of what was talked about yesterday is the same, let's just call it broadly, the America first vision that he put forward for the party. Yeah. So it's hard when that then same individual is running for the nomination to say, no, I'm going to present an alternative. Now, again, people are doing it relative to January 6th and some of these other things, but these indictments have made it dicier because now you, it's hard to not also look at this hyperactive DOJ, who's not hyperactive on Hunter Biden, for example. I mean, if they were, if they had gone after Hunter Biden as as intensely as they gone after Donald Trump, it may have been a different, it may have been harder to sell, by the way, right? But they're Uh not. They they are, you know, they're they're going after plea deals that the judge shoots down because they're too out of line in terms of how soft they are. But number four over here, and so look, I think it's hard to look at this as the average American and say, yeah, this DOJ isn't 
going out of their way, uh, whether you agree or disagree with each individual one of them, just the whole way that this looks. And so, yeah, it's consolidating his support. There's no doubt. Yeah. And I was trying to think about, you know, all of the Trump debates I've seen and DeSantis last night. I was just trying to think about the counterfactual of what that debate would have looked like if it were just the two of them. And if if it was the DeSantis that showed up last night, I think it's an even proposition as to how that debate would go. It would really depend on Trump's manner probably more than anything else. Yeah. But DeSantis had better do something different and quickly, I think, if he wants to be considered the clear number two in this race. Yeah. I don't yeah. think many yeah. people think of him that way today. Yes, we, we need to see from him and others. We need to see emotion. We yeah. need to see heart. Yeah. We need to see fire yeah. and passion yeah. for the future of America. Right. I'm not I, I'm not kidding. I, I don't no, I'm, I know. I'm not I'm right. someone who deals in the industry of speeches and prepping people and right. can there's a way to give a prepared remark and there's a way to give a prepared answer yeah. that also comes still from a place of emotion and honestly it wasn't just with him i wasn't seeing that with a lot of them yesterday. i know it was, it was, that was the know. disappointing part as a republican voter who's looking for who is going to lead us into this the next decade or two like someone like a ronald reagan in the 80s and i, I don't know the answer to that well, the other the thing let me take a, any better than yesterday let me take a break and, and come back with you because the other problem is it's hard to teach charisma you can teach a, a briefing book. You can't teach charisma. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. George Kaloff is my guest. He is the managing partner at the Resolute Group and the president of Data Orbital. George, two other things I wanted to run by you. You probably, like me, I guess, I'm assuming, get a lot of calls during, after, all day today. What'd you think? What'd you think? I'm giving you one. <laughs> I'm giving you that yeah. phone call today. Um and a lot of I, – I don't know, 60% of the people I was hearing from were saying, what a you-know-what show. What a you-know-what show. I got to tell you, that was not how I, I – I, I, that was a little too cynical for me. You know, It's about what I expected, and I thought it was a little maybe even better than I expected, a little more livelier and a little – people had um, – you know, people sure. had uh, – what, what, what do I want to say? They weren't, as, they weren't as reserved as I thought they might be. And I think this stuff is important, and I think these the, the, it's really hard to do these debates. It's really hard to talk to someone you, you agree with and is your friend. It's really hard to do this with someone who isn't. Now add 25 million viewers on live TV. This is hard stuff, I, you know, and I thought they all, you know, did pretty darn well, and I give them a lot of credit for it. But the thing I, I – feel free to react to that when I am done filibustering here because the other thing I wanted to put on the table before I forget is – I also heard that if you're appealing to something beyond a traditional Republican base, last night there wasn't a lot there for you. When people are really suffering with inflation and bills and gas prices and mortgage rates and all that sort of stuff, jobs, um, there wasn't a lot last night for you if that's who you are. And it's a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. So on, on your first point, look, that is actually a helpful um, helpful reminder and even a slight pushback to my characterization as a Republican voter of being disappointed. I think part of my problem is that I, I want my socks to be knocked off. I yeah. do want someone yeah. to, like, rattle me out of it. And, and that's probably an unfair expectation for the first debate or any debate, knowing what we know about the dynamic of the race, right? And so that, you know, I, I, I would agree with that. I think in general, it was serious. I don't think it was 
you know, no one's going to walk away from that and be like, man, this isn't a major party debate. Like it is none of that. Like the D Lee, any of those people are saying those things. I don't think that that's, you know, accurate. Right. on your, on your second point, look, this is, I think part of the dynamic there. So obviously the first question and a good chunk of time was spent on the economy, but, but this is the reality that we face as a nation. Those issues um, ironically, and I don't know who said this, I don't know if it was Chris Christie or someone else said that we're all going to agree about most of these things, which is actually true. It is true. Everyone yeah. wants to unleash American energy. Everyone yeah. wants to drill and frack and whatever Vivek said, and everyone wants to bring down the interest rates and everyone wants, you know, everyone opposes Bidenomics, like all of those things, right? Everyone, if you're a Republican. So we all, you know, the entire Republican party has fairly uniform agreement in terms of how to manage the economic issues. If anything, and this was some of the back and forth between another example of Nikki Haley hitting some of the others, um, and, and even Brett Baer, ironically enough, is moderator, going after Chris Christie in terms of like who did or didn't vote to increase debt, right? right? So if you're a you know, senator and you voted to increase debt, what does that look like? Or yeah. if you're the governor of New Jersey yeah. and you increase debt. Yeah. But so maybe there's some disagreement there. But where we actually have disagreement is on the future of the party relative to um, cultural issues, yeah. relative to the manifestation of that on the life issue or on religious freedom or on the, the future relative to Donald Trump. Those are the issues that animate it. So you're right. A lot more time was spent on them or, you know, you know, uh, or, or on foreign policy. I know we haven't talked a lot about that. That may be worth touching on. There's tremendous disagreement within the party right now on uh, on foreign policy and the future of the Republican Party as it relates to how we deal with the other. And I don't think it's just unique to Ukraine and Russia. I think it's just in general. So a lot more time was spent on that then was spent on the issues that we agree on. Even China, if you noticed, didn't have a lot of time spent on it, because I don't think a single individual upon that stage disagrees with anyone else about how to deal with China and the role well, that China Well, let, let, me, let me push on, on, um, on the DeSantis waffle again, if I might. Can you tell me where he is on Ukraine today? I think it's an open question. Yeah, probably closer it's to... It's not an open question than, with than Mike Pence, and it's not an open question yeah. with Nikki Haley, and it's not an open question with Vivek Ramaswamy. For good or for bad, for agreement or disagreement, I think it's an open question, given what he said last night. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think there's definitely trepidation to be outright in the way that Vivek responded, which is to say no more aid, period, hard stop. Mm-hmm. And even, I think, used a phrase that it was not appropriate to compare Zelensky to the Pope. I think that's going to, if it hasn't already, I think that's going to have some ramifications with, obviously, communities that follow the Pope, like yeah, the, right. the Roman Catholic, yes, of course. Roman Catholic faithful that are Republican, because that was probably too snarky of a comment uh, to make. <laughs> yeah, uh, I a, think it was. Who, I, yeah, I think it was. <laughs> so that yeah, was something that stuck in my mind immediately. <laughs> the Jewish an president of be Ukraine with. being called the Pope. Yeah. How many people can yeah. you offend in one sentence? <laughs> right, right. I mean, so you're offending all kinds of individuals. Right. You know, on, the, on the other hand, I think there is a notion of like, hey, can we do both? And this is the thing that I even struggle with personally. Again, you and I shared a lot of commentary on this regarding Ukraine and, and Russia. Um, can we can we not? Is it mutually exclusive? Is it just either secure the border or that? And and I and I understand you have to lead with one or the other. And I don't disagree with that. We have to lead. We do need to protect our borders. We need to protect and, and take care of our own from a domestic policy perspective. But there is also a role for America to play abroad. And so we have to be able to walk and chew gum and do both and whatever metaphor that you want to use for that. But it is about leading and importance. Yeah. And so there is there is something to say about that. But but you know the other thing too, and I just I just don't get it. And I'm gonna you know, just say it because it just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make any sense in any way, shape, or form. No matter what you do or don't think about aid to Ukraine, why anyone should be defending Vladimir Putin and his actions. Period. Hard stop. Long before what he did in Ukraine. This is not a Ukraine thing. This is just a Vladimir Putin and the way he conducts himself thing. I don't know how anyone would defend him and defend his conduct. That's just the bottom line. To quote you, 100%. 
totally agree. I no, I yeah, I, I really, I it's it's an infection. It's an infectious way of thinking that um, I hope stays small and withers away. I hope I think I, I you know I, I hope it's contained and I hope that the sentiment withers away. Um, I thought, yeah, not much more need to be said on it, but I don't think it's it. it, it yeah. I agree with you, George. We we should probably we should probably spend a show talking about that one of these days because there's this new thing happening in our movement and in our party that that sentiment is while small, it is uh, it is growing a little bit and, and it's an odd thing and it's related to a little bit to this sense I referenced a few segments ago. I don't know if you've heard it as much. You operate a little bit more in the political arenas, and I maybe a little bit more in the think tank ones with, obviously, the Venn diagram overlays. I don't know if you've seen some of this um, time to leave Reagan behind talk, uh, that you know Reaganism is no longer our model. I don't know if you've heard as much as, of that as I have. Again, it's small, but it's there and it's concerning. Anyway, George. We'll pick up on I have that. seen that. Uh, I would agree with you. There, that, that could be an entire show because yeah, I think there's, there's manifestations of it that, that, is, that is absolutely, I hear, even louder than others. Okay, yeah. good. Well, thanks for spending and ending your day with us today, George. I really appreciate it. You're always great to bounce ideas off of and get thoughts from. You're the best. Um, always look forward to chatting with you. Thank you. George Kaitloff, Resolute Group and uh, Data Orbital. And I will be right back with a closing thought. You've heard me talking about re, uh, Y-Refi a lot, and um, I love doing it. I love these guys. I love this company. Um, and they've been getting a lot of phone calls from this audience, and I thank you, as they thank you, for supporting an investment that actually helps people. And um, just to review the basics, everything we've been saying is absolutely true. You can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return. It's not correlated to the Federal Reserve, not correlated to the stock market. You can turn your income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like, and there are absolutely no fees. This is a investment in a secure, collateralized portfolio, and if you don't trust this economy, it might be just the right option for you. There's no attack on principle if you need your money back at any time, and you'll get your monthly statement with no surprises. Check them out in person if you like. They're on uh, Scottsdale Road in the 101. They invite you to go by, stop by. They won't give you a sales pitch. You won't be asked to sign a thing or check them out online at investyrefi.com. That's invest, letter Y, then R-A-F-Y.com. Or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-24. That's 888-Y-REFI-24. I, um, I guess I wanted to close on, uh, on a day like today, day after a debate, day where the ex-president is being arraigned again, um, to say that... Uh, Something I was saying in my opening of the show today. Um, beware the cynics. Beware the dampers. It's an old Robertson Davies line. Um, don't be cynical about any of this. The only thing I'm questioning at this point, quite honestly, is the criteria the RNC is using as to who gets on these debate stages. It seems to me, for those that are passionate about politics, and we all should be, and so too should be the RNC, by the way. For those that are passionate about politics, there's something wrong with the criteria when Larry, when Larry Elder can't get on that stage, but Doug Burgum can. There's something wrong with the criteria when Larry Elder can't get on that stage, but Asa Hutchison can. 
I think everyone has the right to run for president who qualifies under the Constitution to do so. But I also have to say self-knowledge in politics is important. And it's not that Doug Burgum and Asa Hutchinson are draining support from others. It's that they're draining time from others who may very well have a shot and deserve our support. And if there were any self-knowledge that they need to absorb for the good of the party and the movement and the country, it's that. Folks, thanks for being with us this afternoon. David Dahl, thanks for everything you do and your contribution and uh, all your help. I am Seth Leibson. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. Class is dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.